Oh, well. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to the show, and if you haven't, that's totally fine. You're not going to bother me. But um, we are sort of kind of doing a cold open now. Uh, yeah. So maybe this can be the cold open. Oh, that's fine. Oh, well, look at that. Just like that. We're right into it. I'm really good at uh, I'm really good at this. So that was at 2.09 on the car record. <laughs> this even now, we're going to have to either edit this out, or we're going to have to find a new cold open. No, I'm really good at, at logic. Well, so here it is. It is, what day is it? It is the 15th of September. Or the 20th, depending on... Well, as weird as we record, it's the 15th of September, and it will be released on the 20th of September. And our dear friend and co-founder of Relay FM, not founder, mind you, but co-founder of Relay FM, uh, Mike Hurley, is still in the United States, which is wonderful. But he is nowhere near any recording equipment and is actually probably going to a concert in just a couple of hours. I think that was last night. Oh, was it? I thought it was today. Uh, I don't think it was last night. Yeah, so they went to the Foo Fighters. Ah, my, my mistake. I thought it was today. I, I, I wished him a, a happy concert, if you will. Um, yes, that was yesterday. So I'm glad we're off to a, a just spectacular start. Um, but yes, apparently they saw the Foo Fighters yesterday in Portland, and he and Adina are returning home Wednesday. Is that correct? That's tomorrow? I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. So you have met Adina. I have. I'm super uh, jealous. She was at XOXO where I was and where Mike was and where a bunch of other Relay people were. Uh, and uh, it was super great. You know, Mike and I are really close. I mean, obviously we have the business that we own together, but we are, are really close friends. And um, it's so strange knowing so much about someone's relationship and, and their <laughs> life and then not knowing the person. So, yeah, it was really great to spend time with her and spend time with them as a couple. I think they're really great together. Um the the night before I left, we just kind of like hung out at our Airbnb and just chilled for a couple hours, and uh, it was just really fun just to hang out. So I'm so jealous. I am grumbly not because I am upset at everyone for being there. I'm grumbly because I I couldn't go to XOXO Gossip Girl. Um, I have never been. I didn't go this year. Hopefully next year, maybe. But um, it seems like I don't know, like two thirds of Relay was there from the way the chat or the Relay Slack just kind of went completely stagnant for those three days. Um, and it certainly sounds like it was an awesome time. And and I hope to get out there one day. But I am I am exceptionally exceptionally sad that um, I didn't get to meet Adina because this is probably a very rare opportunity to meet her since I don't expect that she's going to be making a regular occurrence out of coming to the United States. And so, I don't know, poor planning on my part. I'm really bummed about that. But I am glad that you got to meet her and uh, give your approval, um, your your co-founder approval. I'm making that a thing as of right now. So um, I am super jealous. How was the con- the conference itself? Uh, the, the conference is good. So if, if people are not uh, familiar with XOXO, it's a single-track tr- conference for... Kind of people who live where we live on the internet with creative and te- technology sort of markets meet, but single tracks. So, you know, you don't have to deal with like competing talks like you do at a conference like WWDC. I will say I only saw about half of the talks because <laughs> the the rest of the time is just a big open field with a bunch of tables and stuff. And but I spent a lot of time like hanging out with people and, um, Spending time with Mike and Adina, spending time with Marco and Tiff Armit, spending time with people like Jason Snell. Um, it's just uh, it's those little sort of like informal meetups, like um, 
just sort of really uh, take up a lot of time and, and and in a really good way. And so it's it's you know I don't feel bad about missing some of those talks. I can always catch them on the internet later, but uh, I can only I'm only there, uh, you know, uh, a few a little bit of the time with a little few of my friends. So yeah. Now there are other things that happen around XOXO. Is that right? Like they have other pavilions or areas or halls or something. I obviously have never been, so I'm just going on what I've pieced together from everyone's pictures and whatnot. But there are things other than talks. Is that right? Yeah, they've got a stage outside with like live music. In the evenings, there are a couple of different things where you can go like to a, a board game night around the corner, go play board games or go see video games. or uh, So yeah, the, it's multi-track in the sense that there's there's like especially in the evenings there's sort of multiple things you can go do at at the venue or at other venues um so yeah so it's 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 nice you can do that with a with a uh, festival pass um uh, like Doug Beale in the chat room was there uh, Doug's everywhere and um <laughs> so you can go like hang out like our friend uh, uh Matt Bischoff from Lookability was there and uh he was I think he was festival only so you can still see all those people and still do things um, with with other people, so it's it's a, it's a good mix, and they kind of let you do what you want to do. I mean, there's no requirement to do any of it, but um, it is nice to have options. Well, that's really awesome. I, I would love to go. I've heard the talks are always phenomenal. Um, any of the talks from the past years that I've ever seen, um, uh, after the fact on 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 video on the internet, have always been phenomenal. I've heard that the ones this year were just as good, if not better. Um, I am super jealous, and I'm most of all I'm jealous that I wasn't able to hang out with my friends for for the weekend, like I know you were able to, and that's that's really fantastic. Plus, you know, recording these shows in person, while in some ways a little bit awkward, is also really really fantastic. And and I, I I'm bummed that I didn't get to do that with um, with Mike. As happy as I as I am that you're here for him, um, our kind of official unofficial co-host. And or uh, pitch hitter, if you will, pinch hitter. Um, but nonetheless, I, I'm just I'm sad I missed it, but I'm happy you guys had that time together. And uh, hopefully next year we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it, it was a lot of fun, and you know I spoke a little bit about on on connected today. Um, but I sort of had a realization this weekend that I am now in the industry I've always looked in on. So I've always looked in on like independent technology people. Uh, whether that be developers or writers or podcasters or whatever, and and now I'm I'm I <laughs> that is my job, right? I am in that category of people now, and it sort of it sort of hit me this weekend that you know the, the kind of the decisions I've made to to go indie and to do my own thing and to to start a company and to do you know to do this to do shows. I mean, this is like the fifth show I've recorded in six days. <laughs> um, to to do that uh, is to get to do that. I should say is really rare and. Uh, it's it was sort of eye opening to like see all the other people or most of the other people who do that and who I've always looked up to. Like uh, I was telling Jason, you know, he and I have a show together now. You know, he's he's on the network. He's an advisor to Relay. But I remember when he was on the prompt, like I don't know, like three years ago as a guest, I was I was like super nervous and like I was like, oh my gosh, I've read Jason Snell for years, and now I'm going to. Um, you know, I'm going to interview him on a podcast. Like, what what business do I have doing that? And and the reality is, I am a peer of those people now, and I forget that sometimes. And mm-hmm. it was really sort of a, a moment that kind of hit me this weekend, of looking around of like, oh, oh, I have achieved what I I wanted to achieve. And I don't mean that to sound prideful. I know it kind of sounds like I'm being a jerk, but um, 
it was it was it was eye opening for me. Yeah, you should absolutely celebrate that because this is something you should be proud of. I mean, you you set your sights on a goal and you achieve that goal, and there's a way to to be smug and and kind of jerky about it, and there's a way to just call it for what it is, which is I think what you've just done, and you should be excited and you should be proud and you and you should really be excited about it. Um, I'm excited for you guys, and and in some ways I've gotten a taste of that because you know I used to be a super fan of Marco on, on other networks and of John Syracuse and, and of Jason Snell's work. And, you know, now these people are my friends and that's, that's a really phenomenal and weird feeling and, and kind of the best feeling in the world. And, and that, and I include in that, you know, you and Mike as well. Um, I was very familiar with you guys, um, you know, and then next thing I know I'm, I'm your friends and that's, that's just crazy. You know, it's, it's phenomenal, but it's crazy. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. So, um, I want to ask you a couple of things about XOXO other than what we've talked about, but we should probably pause real quick and, uh, talk about something that's awesome. Yes. Our, our first episode this week, Casey, is the, the excellent people at Fracture. Fracture is a great company with a really fantastic product. You guys, you guys know Fracture. They are, they're transforming how people print and display their favorite images. What Fracture does is it frees images from Instagram or your camera roll or photos and lets you put them on your wall in, in vivid glass. Did you know a trillion photos were taken in 2015? Uh, and Fracture wants to help you rescue them. It's really simple. You upload a photo to their website, FractureMe.com, and they don't just make an amazing print, but they but they make an amazing print directly on a piece of glass. Super, super great. Um, it feels like magic. It's like the first time you see a retina display and the the image is right on the surface. That's really how these things look. Once you receive your fantastic glass photo print, you want to mount it to display to the world. It's super easy. You can put it uh, directly on the wall. You don't have to frame these things. You don't have to like go get a screw. It comes with a screw in the package. It's everything you need to know about Fracture. They care about the details. Um, Everything you need is just right there. I, I've, I've, my house is covered in fractures. I've got fractures as gifts. I just bought one actually for a friend of mine who's getting married. We spent a weekend uh, with some guys up at a lake house, a really beautiful cabin in Kentucky, and I took a photo uh, of uh, the the lake from kind of where we were staying. And I ordered a fracture for him, and I mailed it to him. I didn't tell him I was doing it. It just showed up on his doorstep. Um, Super great way to to give a gift for somebody, and it, it was it was it was cheap. They come, they start um, so cheap. You don't have to spend a lot of money on these things. It's a great way to show somebody that that you care. Each fracture is hand assembled and checked for quality by the small team in Gainesville, Florida. You can get them in five different sizes, uh, all the way up to twenty one by twenty eight. But they're also three square sizes. That's what I did for my buddy. It's a little square size, so he didn't have to hang it. Didn't have to find a big place in his apartment. Something nice. And small and prices start at just fifteen dollars. You're not going to break the bank with these. They look way more expensive. So you can support Analog and get fifteen percent off your first order with coupon code Analog. Just go to FractureMe.com to get started. Thank you so much to Fracture for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. 
Yeah, I know that pretty much every time that we have Fracture as a sponsor, um, I, I can't help but kind of double down on it. And this is one of those times um, we have Fractures all over the house. And they, <laughs> that sounds weird. Anyway, we have Fracture prints all over the house. And um, and they really are fantastic. And if you haven't, if you've never seen one or you've never treated yourself to one or no one's ever bought one for you, um, you should definitely check them out. You know, the, the smaller ones are very cheap and it's worth giving it a shot. Anyway. A uh, little more about XOXO, just to really make myself miserable and even more jealous. Um, what was it like? Uh, I got to imagine, not only did you, as you said earlier, you got to see all of our friends and some of your friends, you know, that maybe I don't know, but you're also kind of one of these superstars now. So is that interesting, different, weird, same as WWDC, different than WWDC? How does that compare? Uh, well, no, in a very tiny corner of the world. <laughs> I think I was I was recognized more here than at WWC, and I think part of it is just the setup. You know, um, June in San Francisco is very busy. People who are there for the conference are running around like crazy. Casey, you know this, right? You're, oh, yeah. you're running in and out of sessions. You're trying mm-hmm. to eat. You're trying to survive, not just on Snapple. Um, <laughs> and WWC, the only social times are really the evenings, and and even then, you're at parties, you're at live podcasts, you're at a bar. Uh, XOXO is so unplugged from all that. It's just you're hanging around like a, a picnic table eating, you know, food truck food together. Um, it's much more sort of friendly. So I had I had a lot of people come up to me. A lot of people come up to Mike and I, both saying that they that they liked Relay, that they uh, liked what we were doing. Um, but it, it is unusual. And that's something that I really struggle with. I was telling uh, David Sparks this that I just I, I haven't I haven't really come to terms with how to deal with that yet. And, and it's not that people are inappropriate people i mean this is like the nicest it's the nicest thing in the world you know i actually picked up my badge and the guy handed it to me he's like i love liftoff which is my new show with jason oh, that's awesome i was like oh my gosh you listen to a show about space that's super cool but um it you know it's just one of those things where i haven't quite gotten used to that yet and and so i feel like awkward at times about it so if i was awkward i apologize um but it was definitely one of those things where it was just like you know what we do is enjoyed by a, a lot of people, and sometimes I sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I forget just how many people uh, listen to the shows and and you know follow us on Twitter and and, and interact with us. And it's um it it's really it's really fun and it's extremely humbling. You know, we had like a podcaster meetup uh, at a bar, and some people who just lived in Portland or lived in the area. You know, just saw on Twitter that we had tweeted that we would be here, not not part of the conference, just showed up and wanted to meet us. And like that's incredibly humbling and incredibly just amazing that people want to come talk and and t- you know share their appreciation for what we do and ask us questions about the industry and I had a lot of really good conversations with a lot of really good people and that was a lot of fun. And, and WWDC has that, but. That week is so much busier, especially for us. You know, we've got to cover a bunch of stuff. We've got to record a lot of shows. We had less of that this time, and it really paid off, I think. Yeah, you know, the thing with WWDC is as I've become, you know, kind of like you said, a, a little baby celebrity in this little teeny corner of the internet, um, it's hard because they're, and I don't, I don't know how to say this without coming across humble braggy or even just plain braggy, and if I do, I'm, I'm sorry, but... The, the the thing of it is, is that when I go to WWDC, I want to go to sessions. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to record 
ATP or or analog or both, or maybe even guest on another show if, if the opportunity arises. And I want to go to these parties. But I also want to meet listeners and I want to meet new people and I want to hang out with maybe people that are friends that aren't, you know, part of Relay FM because they do exist as well. Not all of us are on Relay. And it's hard during uh, WWDC. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. That's true. Uh, just wait and Stephen and Mike will take over the world. Just give them time. But, um, but yeah, you know, the thing of it is, is that WWDC is extremely, extremely busy, just like you said, Stephen. And and it's wonderfully busy, but also terribly busy. And by the end of the week, I'll look back on it as I'm riding back to the East Coast in the plane and think to myself, I didn't get to see half of the people I wanted to see for near as much time as I wanted to, or in some cases, maybe not at all. And again, that's I'm very lucky because I'm, I'm, I have so many things to occupy my time, but it's also kind of unfortunate or maybe even frustrating that you don't get to spend time with some of the people you really wanted to spend time with. And the way you describe XOXO is that it's a lot less fast paced, which sounds really, really appealing. Yeah, I think it is. You know, I feel like I had quality time with people that, that I care about and, and people that I was meeting for the first time, you know, so, so often at WDC, you're, you meet somebody for the first or only time at an event and it's loud and there's a lot of people there. And uh, at least for me, that's a very awkward situation, like to hear somebody when it's loud and to talk loudly enough to be heard. And mm-hmm. XO is just so so much more uh, laid back. You know, I, I get that feeling about other conferences. You know, Ool, I hope that release notes is this way uh, next month, where you just get sort of downtime to talk with people that you're peers with. Because when you're, you don't even have to be independent, but like when when you're sort of in this in any industry that happens online. Um, it, it can be hard to find people locally who who share in that. So, Casey, I'm sure you feel this in Richmond. Where like, mm-hmm. there are very few tech people here in Memphis who have the same interests as I do. There, there's a big tech community here, and I know a lot of the the leaders in those groups, and um, there's a lot of meetups and stuff. But it's all like really hardcore development, and and, I, and I'm not that right. I I'm not a developer. I'm not a programmer. I'm not an engineer. But, um. You know, I do have a community that I belong to. It's just mostly online, and and that gets lonely sometimes. Like I'd like to go to a, a an Apple user group and and talk about stuff, but there's just not one. And you know, I would like to to have a meetup and 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 you know see like who who's out here in Memphis or in the area that that listens to the shows or does something. But the reality is, there's just not that many people. And so for me, it's nice to kind of have quote office time, like water cooler time with the people I work <laughs> with every day or the people that you know do similar things to me. Uh, because it is a little a little lonely sometimes. Oh, yeah, I totally understand that. You know, I have a handful of friends that are local that, you know, some of them listen to my shows, some of them don't. But uh, many of them uh, that are, that I'm speaking of in this context, you know, are really into technology. And I can, you know, kind of, you know, shoot the crap with them about things. But it's not, they're not just, you know, neck deep in it like I am. And so when you get to move these conversations into the real world, rather than this weirdo, you know, online environment. It's really, really fantastic. And and I also just really love having like a real life version of our Slack channel, you know, and just which is basically all of our friends just in the same place. It's a really awesome thing. And um I'm I'm really sad that I didn't get to go. But hopefully next year. We'll see. But we should probably talk about something other than XOXO because I'm gonna just cry from how jealous I am <laughs> if we don't. Um, we have a smidgen of a mid-show follow-up that I'd like to go through. Um, first of all, Mike spoke last week about um, having had a bunch of Twitter followers likely purchased for him. 
Um, I've not spoken to Mike much about this since we recorded, other than to know that he has resolved the issue to his satisfaction, and he will have more information about this on the next episode, which is episode 59. Uh, which will come out the 27th of September. So on the 27th, expect a little more information from Mike about that. Any thoughts? Did you have any insider info that you'd like to share that you may have gleaned from this past weekend? Uh, I mean, I'll let I'll let Mike address his own follow up. But um, yeah, that was a really interesting thing to listen to uh, on last last week's episode of you know, what happens when you're in that situation. And um, I think I think that Mike, to to use a turn of phrase that some people aren't a fan of. I think Mike was right in, in the <laughs> oh, God. Uh, in the the desire for authenticity on Twitter and and you know I think some people look at that and sort of roll their eyes and think it doesn't matter. But uh, I agree with Mike and and I would I would I would have had the same concerns and frustrations that he had that he shared um, because that sort of stuff does matter. People do look at that and uh, yes, over time it would go away. But I would, you know, I would always look at that number and just know that, hey, you know, there's this big chunk of things in here that just aren't, uh, just aren't true and, and aren't, and aren't, you know, actually representative of, of how the world works. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about and it's sort of weird, right? Like, just like the whole thing is weird that, that you can buy followers, that someone would buy followers for you. And, and to echo Mike and what you said, I'm sure this person did not mean anything negative of what they did, but, um, you know, it affected Mike in a in a very personal way, and and I I think that it would have affected me the the same way to be to be honest. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Twitter followers. So I'm I'm trying a new thing, uh, right now, of capping the number of accounts that I follow. Oh, interesting. Why why is um, that? So I, so I follow um, and the, the the number is funny, and the number is funny on purpose. I follow 512 people. Uh, of um, course, I should have realized. Because 512 is the name of my site, and I thought it was funny. And the reason I'm I'm doing it is is not just because of the joke, even though I think I find it sort of funny. Um, I just there's a lot of noise on Twitter, even following 500ish people. I know I know some people follow way more people than I do, and I know people who follow way fewer fewer uh, people than I do. Um, in case you only follow 280. Yep. Accounts and, and sometimes I feel like that's too much for me, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, and and Mike follows, you know, 951. So I'm Is right that, between the two. Does of he you. really? That's what the that's oh, what the tweet God, bot says. God, that's terrible. It's oh lot, my goodness, it's a lot of humans. Yeah, it is. And so, part of this is for me is like seeing, like if I miss Twitter for an hour, then. With that many people, some significant stuff can go by. And and I, I used to be a Twitter completionist. I am a recovering Twitter completionist. Mm, same here. Where where most of the time I try not to scroll back. Like in the mornings I don't. I used to every morning scroll back, you know, when I sat down and look at it and I don't now. Um actually in Portland I checked Twitter only a couple of times a day and I did not scroll back and actually felt really, really liberating to be sort of um Twitter free more or less for a weekend, but it, this this little experiment comes with some interesting side effects. So uh, I, if I want to follow somebody, I have to find somebody to unfollow, <laughs> which is difficult so far. I've been able to do it, um, but it's going to get harder because I already don't follow a lot of websites or a lot of brands. Um, I do have a private list where I follow a bunch of websites, sort of like RSS replacement, even though I never use it that way. Um, so at some point, it's going to get interesting, right? So if I follow you and then I unfollow you, then I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But I'm just trying to like really try to understand like 
what the the right number is for, for me for me uh to follow and i feel like 500 is is a decent number i feel like i can stay on top of it but i feel like much more is is you know too much and so it's been it's been interesting i've been doing it a couple of weeks and and um you know so far there's not a big i i don't follow new people very often but um for instance, I followed the Andes, the the two guys who run XOXO, and I had to go find somebody to, to get rid of. So, uh, it's it's interesting. We'll see. I don't know how long it'll last, um, but I think I'm learning things, which is which is nice. Yeah, you know, I like you said, I follow 280 people, um, and I've actually followed a handful of people in the last few days, and I don't know, I I don't get stressed necessarily when I follow someone new, but I do feel like I am shouldering another small. I'm going to use the word burden, but I think that's a bit sensationalist. Um, it, it, I try to be a Twitter completionist, but I am trying not to be. So my natural inclination is to be a completionist, but my brain knows that I shouldn't, I shouldn't worry about it and I shouldn't spend so much time on it. So if I come to Twitter after having missed 100 or 200, especially like 300 tweets, usually if it's over about 150 or so tweets, I'll just force myself to scroll up and maybe scroll backwards, you know, for the, la- the last 20 or 30. Um, it's been hard, but I'm trying to get better about it. But gosh, 280 seems like a lot to me. 512 is, you know, effectively double that. That's, God, that's a lot of activity. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot of activity. So I, I, I both respect and pity you for <laughs> having that many follows because my goodness, that seems like a lot. Yeah, and you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, f- I mean, um, it 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 feels like a lot, but then I look at these accounts and people who exist in our circles usually follow, you know, less than five hundred people, definitely less than a thousand people. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes I will look at other accounts, or I'll be followed by a really big account, and you know, they f- they follow two hundred ninety thousand people, and they have three hundred twenty thousand followers. Right? Like, there's definitely some accounts that just follow people to get more because, you know, a lot of accounts auto follow back or there's lots of, I feel like that plays into like the bot scheme on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's weird. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I we'll see how it goes. If I might follow up next time I'm on. So, yeah. Um, I do dig, however, I had not noticed how many follows you have. Um, but I do enjoy the in joke about five twelve. And I want to say it was you, but maybe it was somebody else. Um, when I created the automated robot portion of my blog to um, automatically tweet when I post something new, I needed to come up with a name for it, for the app, the Twitter app that does this tweeting, even though the mm-hmm. only thing that will ever be using it is my website. And so Twitter forces you to come up with a name. I couldn't think of a name for a little while. And... It occurred to me, well, the, the the name that I've given the software that I wrote to run my blog is Camel. Um, and it occurred to me it would be really funny to name the thing that auto-tweets on behalf of my blog running on Camel to name that Camel Spitter. And like three people have noticed that since I've done it almost a year ago now, I think. And I it, it was somebody recently that had noticed. And I thought it was you. Maybe it was somebody else. But... I think uh, it was. It, 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 I was very pleased when you had um, discovered that because I'm very proud of that ridiculous, silly in joke, and um, it, it left to its own devices, only like three or four people have noticed in all the time that it's been a thing. But I was very happy when you did. <laughs> no, it, it is quite. It's quite funny. Mine was called something clever, and then I, I, now FeedPress does it for me. But um, 
The relay one has a name too. I don't know what it is. Let's see. Really exciting radio here. <laughs> Tweets. Uh, the relay one is called oh, just relay FM bot. Mm, not very exciting. Yeah, that's okay. Oh well. All right. Um, do you want to tell me about where you stayed in XOXO? Even though I told you that we would be done with this conversation. Yes, we're sort of yeah. Uh, so a little kind of the more mid show follow up. Somewhere John Syracuse is just weeping like a <laughs> pile of toaster ovens. Um. So Jason Snell, Christina Warren, and I split an Airbnb in Portland. And you guys have been talking a lot about Airbnb. I had never been in one oh, okay. before. And um, I haven't either. I was not murdered. My my organs were not harvested. But it is very strange. So we were in a condo. Very clear this condo was not lived in. Actually, the place was for sale. So our thought was, you know, he's airbnb it, you know, while it's for sale to make a little money on it. Uh, and it was, it was very, I mean, it was great. It was very clean. It was very nice. Um, there were sheets and towels and everything for us, but at some point you just realize you're living in someone else's, you're staying in someone else's house. And even though I really don't think this condo is lived in, um, you know, it belongs to somebody else and someone else is stuff is there and it's someone else's pictures on the wall. And, uh, it was very, very surreal. Um, I, it wasn't so weird that I wouldn't do it again. In fact, my wife and I are looking at one, uh, next month for an out of town wedding. But it is definitely a little surreal. Yeah, that's got to be weird. I am pleased to hear that you had a good experience um, to balance Mike and I's uh, near phobia of it. But nonetheless, it uh, it definitely strikes me as a little peculiar. But y- you said in all in all, you'd do it again. Yeah, I, I think so. That's excellent. All right. Any other uh, follow up, follow in, follow out, follow forward, follow, follow backward that you'd like to cover? Uh, I feel good. Excellent. All right. Why don't you tell us about something else that's cool? Great. Our second sponsor this week are Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. You can use the offer code FEELS at checkout to get 10% off. When it comes to building a website, giving yourself a place online, there's no place better to start than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and take away the pain points like hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level with no code required. They have intuitive and easy-to-use tools that make your website look and feel exactly how you want. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site, and they ensure security and stability. I know that if 512 gets on the front page of Hacker News or Daring Fireball, that they can scale it, that it will not go down, uh, that they're taking care of that for me. And the site looks good. The templates are all fully responsive, so they look good if you're on a small, wimpy little phone or if you're on the correctly sized iPhone 6 Plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's great. They have tons of awesome features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams in New York, Dublin, and Portland. So no matter what time zone you're in, someone is close to you. And with their, with their commerce platform and things like cover page, you can build a store. We use that at Relay. Or you can build a great-looking landing uh, page. I have one up right now for some consulting I'm doing. It's really simple just to add a photo, add some text, and be done. Um, and all that's great. But say you want to squ- stretch Squarespace further. Say you want to do more. They have a dev platform that's now out of, out of beta and available to everyone. You can add more functionality to the platform. You can build it with tools that you're used to. And it, it's a great way to take a Squarespace site even further than ever before. So you can start a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. If you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. 
allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. Like I said, you can do a trial with no credit card whatsoever. You can go in and start building and see that it's for you. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FEELS. And uh, thank you to Squarespace for supporting Analog and all of Relay FM. Excellent. Excellent. So what's what's next? Well, I want you to further make me miserable and jealous. Um, apparently the, the title of this episode is Casey Gets Jealous. Um, but anyways, why don't you tell me what it's been like for the last six weeks as you are now in an independent uh, you're an independent guy. You're working for yourself, and if if anything, you have become the man to people like me because you're sort of kind of my boss. So how's it been? <laughs> uh, well, you're late to work on an astonishingly regular basis. So <laughs> you can fix that. You know, it's funny. You're not the only person who said that to me. Such a slacker. Um, it's it's good. So I left my job the end of July and have been working on Relay and Five Twelve and some other stuff. You know, I'm kind of making it. Um, a quilt of, of a bunch of different things and, and that blanket of income keeps me warm at night. That was a really weird analogy. I'm sorry. Wow. Well done. I'm a poet, Casey. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been six weeks or so, six weeks, seven weeks. And it's, it, it's not as interesting as I thought it would be. Um, partially because this was very well planned, right? So there's no surprises as far as income. There are no surprises as far as the type of work that I'm doing. Um, because Relay is not new. I mean, uh, you guys spoke about it. We all spoke about it. You know, Relay is, is over a year old now. And, and in that time I've been doing what I've been doing the last six weeks. So I've, uh, you know, I've always kept up with the books. I've always done certain administrative tasks. I've always looked after the website and the server. Uh, and that just continues today. The difference is I'm not doing it at midnight. I can do it during the day. And so on, on one hand, it's, it's actually kind of boring in which in the fact that I'm just doing what I've always been doing, but um, with, you know, more attention and more time and on a more, a more regular schedule. Um, that said, there, there is a flip side to it, and um, it's, it's one that I expected and one that I was warned about by people like Mike and Jason and, and Marco and you know, people who, who do work for themselves and it's that it is the work-life balance is actually harder in some ways in that well a when you when you own your own business especially a business that exists on the internet you are always on call right like if relay fm explodes at at one o'clock in the morning then i gotta deal with that and that's just part of the reality of the type of business that we own but on the other hand you know i i have a home office Uh, i also have an office outside the home where i'm sitting now but I do work in the house a couple of days a week. And the days that I do that, it's really hard to separate when I'm working and when I'm, you know, quote, at home, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, I think part of that is that I don't have an office with a door currently. Um, I'm basically basically working at our kitchen is sort of ranch style. So I'm working at the end of the kitchen. Uh, it's at the end of the house. So like you don't go by me to go anywhere. But uh, it, it is sort of more or less out in the open. I'm not, you know, squirreled away in an extra bedroom or upstairs or downstairs with a door I can shut. And I think that leads to to part of this, but it, it's very hard to sort of say, okay, it's five o'clock. I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, turn my screen off and I'm going to uh, go home. Air quotes again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been hard. And, and Mary, my wife, and I have been talking about that in some ways that I can be better at it. Where 
Uh, the temptation is not to work not enough. The temptation is to work uh, way more. I've been keeping, keeping up with my hours. In the last several weeks, I've been way over 40 hours. Uh, and most of that has been uh, when I'm at home. So it's, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's a little, a little frustrating in that regard, but I think it's just kind of working the kinks out. So if you'll permit me a quick tangent, but I promise I'll bring it back around. Um, I listened to a podcast today um, from a couple that actually lives in Richmond. Um, I've, by pure accidental happenstance, I met the um, wife just a few months ago. I had gone to um, McDonald's to get breakfast because I freaking love McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> and um, come at me, haters. And so anyway, I um, I ran into this this or I saw this woman and I was like, man, she looks familiar. Oh my God, I know who that is. And so this couple, um, they wrote a very, very popular blog in their own little corner of the internet called Young House Love. And the premise behind it was um, when they had first started writing it, they were you know, completely demoing and, and redoing a lot of their house. And over the seven or so years that they did this blog, they, um, they ended up having... Um, they ended up having moved twice, I believe, and then also had two kids. And coincidentally, although I never met him, Aaron was in the same honor honors fraternity as the husband. And so um, she she and he are like, you know, Facebook friends and all that. But um, we've never hung out, despite the fact that they're in Richmond as well. Anyway, I bring all this up because... Um, this just today, I listened to a podcast that they had guested on and I don't recall the name of the podcast, but we'll put it in the show notes and what they were talking about on this podcast, among many other things were why they stopped blogging because they, about a year ago, just kind of up and quit suddenly not in a like rage quitty way, just a, Hey, you know what? We think this has run its course. We don't, we're, we're going to take a step back and we'll see what happens. And so that was a year ago and they were talking on this, um, on this podcast about how they had left New York city where they had met expressly to stop the rat race and to get a better work-life balance. Well, then they, over the course of, you know, a couple of years ended up starting this blog and it ended up being both of their full-time gig. And they were saying, and this is where I'm making it hopefully relevant again, they were saying that they completely lost any work-life balance. And so it was not lost on them that they left New York City and like the advertising rat race New York City, because that's the, the industry they both worked in, and moved to Richmond, Virginia to get away from that just complete rat race. And then next thing you know, fast forward a few years, and they're back in the rat race again, except it's kind of self-created. And so they talked on this podcast, it's only about an hour, and they talked on this podcast about you know, what led them to just say, you know what, enough is enough. And it was because they couldn't figure out how to say no to the blog. And I think, Stephen, that you'll have a much better balance than, than they ended up with because you've already diversified your income um, beyond just Relay. And one of the things they had said on this podcast was, you know, it was in diversifying our income that we were able to to say no to things and were able to not worry that, oh my God, if we didn't post, you know, 93 blog posts every single day, that all of their money would would run out. And And it was a really fascinating podcast for me to listen to as someone who aspires to maybe one day, you know, be his own guy and work for himself. 
it was very interesting to hear about the dangers of working for yourself and and letting yourself go unchecked. So I don't think, Stephen, you need to listen to this because you're already living it. Um, but for listeners out there who maybe are interested in the same sort of things, like I said, we'll put links in the show notes. And it's it was a really interesting listen. And um, their website is really great, even though, I, as Mike and I have discussed, I can't wield a hammer with any sort of accuracy. And they have, like, rebuilt entire bathrooms together. But I still find it interesting to to uh, watch and read. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's true of really anyone or any type of creative work where you, know, you can get sort of sucked in and and you know it's 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 hard when you're doing something that you love right like relay something that um that I created with Mike and mm-hmm. I know every inch of it and it's um you know it's fun to get to work on it every day and it and it's it's an honor to work with really um great people and it's uh you know so it's not like I have to go to work and trudge through something that I don't that I don't enjoy or something that I don't uh believe in even so you know it's, it's just hard to, to put it down sometimes but of course the one of the huge advantages of working at home is you know I can spend more time with the family I can go have lunch with my wife and go play with the kids in the park in the middle of the morning it's just a matter of of structuring things in a way where I can do that and um in a way that I'm willing to do that when the opportunity comes up. Yeah. Do you find that in these first few weeks, have you had any bad days or days where you got home and you were like, holy crap, I hope tomorrow isn't like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Most of it has been around uh, just like logistics. So like I have office space with my brother and the building we're in has had a lot of issues with the internet. Currently the only internet in this building Ooh, is like a, a T1. So I'm tethering like right now. So I paid Verizon oh, like $5,000 last month. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but not much. Not much. And so some of that sort of stuff where like the, just the logistics get in the way of, um, uh, being able to do what I need to do is, is frustrating or, you know, days where something comes up that really derails my day. So I go out to the car and like I have, I know that OmniFocus has 27 things for me to do, uh, but I go out and my car is a flat tire and it's like, world, oh. I need to work. And so <laughs> it's mostly that sort of stuff. There, I mean, there have been a couple of days where work itself is frustrating where I tried to write an article and I can't do it or I miss a deadline with somebody or um I have a uh, something I'm consulting on, you know, or or a client sort of act up or or do something silly. But for the for the most part, I say I have far fewer bad days than I did at the uh, at the jobby job. Good, good. And you're not feeling too overwhelmed, I hope. No, no, it's good. Again, because I think a lot of it was so planned in advance, where, um, you know, I'm not. I don't have so many things on my plate that I that I have to work sixty hours a week to get it all done. There there are stretches where it feels that way, but. Um, you know, the, the balance so far is working for the most part. That's awesome. Now I'm super jealous and I don't know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how to be more deliberate about reaching this destination that at least sitting here now, I think I'd like to reach. And it's not that I want to reach it today or tomorrow, or maybe even this year, maybe not even next year, but one day I think it would be neat to be able to work for myself. And so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, doing what you have done and what the Young House Love Couple has talked about on on, on this podcast that we'll link to, um, it, you know, diversifying your income and, and making it, making money in more ways than just 
you know, your day job. And I think that you did exactly what I hope to be able to do one day, which is eventually find a way to make reliable income from more than one source outside of work. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but I would, I, I, my recollection was that you were doing at least a little bit of consulting on occasion, even before you had left your day job. Is that right? Yeah, I have for a long time. You know, I worked uh, as like a technology consultant for several years before kind of having more regular job at the Salvation Army. And and then, so I kept that up on the side. It was just, just a handful of clients. I, I continued that when I was at Rocket Fuel, the, the digital agency, was my last job. Um, so it's not it's not a lot. I've kind of done a little bit more of that of just in-home or in-office, you know, computer work of, you know, hey, we have a Mac that is acting out. Can you come look at it? Or, you know, we got mm-hmm. a bunch of Macs here on 1068 and need more RAM. Can you come in and take care of that? So it's that level of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not wearing a suit and tie and riding on a whiteboard, but um, I like it because it is a little extra income and, and consulting for the most part is not factored into to what I have to make a month. So if I, if I do some consulting, it's usually extra, which is nice. Um, yep. And I can take on, because I don't, I'm not dependent on it directly. I can take what I want to take on. So I had someone who wanted me to help with like a Lotus notes to outlook migration. And I was like, Nope, Whoa. not doing that. Like that's, <laughs> uh, yeah. there's Run no away. way in the world. I'm going to take that on if I don't have to. So, uh, so yeah, it's nice to keep my hands in that, you know, to stay up to date and to to kind of work those muscles from time to time. Yeah, that that's really fantastic. So we'll see what happens uh, with with me, but I'm very excited that that you and Mike both have been able to pull it off and pull it off so well. Um, one last question that I had, uh, and then certainly if you have anything else you want to share after that, please feel free. What do you miss about working for the man? Uh, I miss I miss the team of people that I worked with. I've you know, over the really the four jobs that I've ever had, um, all four of them really had really good people I worked with. And, and at Rocket Fuel, where I just left, um, some incredibly intelligent and incredibly gifted people you were on my team. And it was a group of people where uh, if I, as the project manager, needed something or uh, requested something, I knew that it was in capable hands. And uh, and I miss just the, the the friendships that you form at work, you know. So we used to all go out to lunch together and go see people and and hang out. And uh, I don't have that now, right? So if I want to go to lunch with somebody, I have to call them, and I can go to lunch when they can get off work. Or um, there's not usually, unless my brother's at his office as well. I'm you know I'm sort of by myself a lot, and and I don't mind that. I actually prefer to be alone. Um, most of the time, but after a while, it's like, all right, I would like to, you know, like throw a Nerf ball back and forth with somebody and talk about something. Um, yeah. So that's been that's been tough uh, on, on some days of just kind of being alone in my work. Um, and I have a lot of people in Slack and a lot of people in um, in iMessage and you know and that sort of thing. But it, it it's different when you're across the desk from somebody and you can work on a problem together. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, something I worry about if I was to ever. If I was to ever even work from home, let alone um, work for myself from home, I worry about, you know, would that would that cause me to put a lot more pressure on Erin? Because she becomes not more important, but she fills other needs that she hasn't filled before. You know, every day today I go to an office and I hang out with people and do work, whereas if it's just me, suddenly she's not only my wife, 
and you know of course my best friend but she's also like kind of a coworker in that she's the person I'm going to bounce ideas off of and she's the person that I'm going to go talk to in the middle of the day and that's I'm saying that as though it's a bad thing it's certainly not a bad thing but it it perhaps puts a pressure on our on our relationship that maybe isn't fair and I don't know I'm probably overthinking things a little bit but I don't know I I would I'm a, I'm really freaking happily married and not that I think that this would change anything hypothetically but I I don't want to I don't want to mess with the system you know so I don't know hopefully you and Mary haven't haven't had any of those issues and certainly doesn't sound like it from the way you talk Yeah it's it's been good and she um she has always been well well before relay um has always been very influential in what I do uh on the side you know so when mm-hmm. I started mm-hmm. my site 7 years ago um she was heavily involved with that. And when Mike and I started a podcast together and we moved to five by five, she's input into those things. Um, and, and in many ways is a, is a type of partner, uh, even in relay, you know, I bounce ideas off her and, and, and value her input greatly. And so it is nice. We can sit down and before I went to Portland, you know, we sat down and talked about some things that are coming up in the business and some, some things we just have to take care of. And, um, I've run uh, ideas by her for new consulting. So I've been talking with this company about doing some stuff and um, I bounced it off her of like, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, this is kind of what I, how much time I think it's going to take. This is when I can foresee getting it done. Does this sound reasonable to you? Am I charging enough? Am I charging too much? And, and it's really valuable to have somebody like that. And I've got, you know, I've got um, friends locally and, and friends, you know, on the internet who, who, work for themselves and do stuff that I bounce ideas off of as well. So you can still have that. It's just sort of different um, when you're not really like actual coworkers, but your friends or, or of course very different if, if you're a spouse. Sure. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, working for yourself? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that if, if you were thinking about doing it, I know this is like really hard to, to listen to. Um, but I would say that if, if someone is looking at doing it, you know, just, you know, it, you can plan for it, and if you can make it work, it's it's very rewarding. But you know, there are stresses. You gotta make sure you got enough money coming in in each month. You know, I'm in the final stages of figuring out insurance, and like, there's a oh. lot of extra stuff that goes into this. It's not a walk in the park. It it is something you need to be deliberate about, or it could could really get out of hand. I think. But um, yeah, so far so good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you should be really darn proud of yourself, and. You know, I, I blow so much, so much smoke up, up Mike's butt because he's the one I'm talking to. But uh, anytime you've heard me blow smoke up his butt about how awesome Relay is and how, about how proud of himself he should be, you know, I hope and I assume that you take that to mean you as well because both of you have really done a phenomenal job and, and you should be really damn proud of yourselves. So um, I, I think that, that this is an incredible accomplishment um, and, and you should be you should be happy about it. Cool. Thank you. All right. We should talk about something else that's awesome. This week's episode of Analog is also brought to you by FanDuel. The first week of the football season, Casey, is in the books. How'd your mm-hmm. fantasy team do? Did you win money? No? Well, you can on FanDuel this weekend. FanDuel is a trusted leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They're paying out over $75 million a week this football season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1 so anyone can play. Casey, I know you play fantasy football. How how are you doing this fall? 
Oh, God, so bad. This was the worst football weekend in the <laughs> world for me. Was it a bloodbath? Uh, it was a bloodbath. And I'm talking about not only like fantasy football, NFL football, college football. It was just a disaster all across the board. So um, I'm a fan of the New York Giants, lost at the 11th hour to the Dallas Cowboys, big rival. Um, I'm a fan of the UVA Cavaliers, uh, also known as Wahoos. Um, I was at their football game, and they lost at the 11th hour to Notre Dame. And I hate Notre Dame with all of my being, even before uh, Saturday. So that's no good. Um, Virginia Tech won, which was exciting. Um, they beat Furman, which was kind of a cupcake comparatively. Sorry if you went to Furman. And, um, and then finally, my fantasy team did terribly just absolutely terribly so hopefully next week will turn around for me but um goodness it was bad and and you know one of the things that makes FanDuel so great is that you know it's week by week so if you do terribly this week like I did you don't have to worry about that for next week um and so that that's very appealing and and certainly something worth checking out so Last year, uh, Joe Watson from New York turned a $50 deposit into thirty grand in two weeks playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Join him and over the 1 million other users who have already won money. Go to FanDuel.com and click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code ANALOG with a UE because Mike's in charge and sign up now. <laughs> there is a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code ANALOG today. Don't forget to use the code. It's super important. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Thank you to FanDuel for supporting ANALOG and all of Relay FM. So you pitched a topic which I could not possibly say no to. I know. And you, you, you hit me square in the weak spot, not in the feels necessarily, but square in my weak spot. Would you like to tell the listeners what you wanted to talk about this week? Uh, spray cheese. No. <laughs> oh God, no. That's even worse than Velveeta, and that's 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 saying something. So, uh, so Casey, uh, your love of cars is, is pretty well documented on the internet. Mm-hmm. You had a podcast called Neutral, which I was one of the devoted fans of. I listened to every episode. You're one of the six, and I appreciate um, it. But uh, but so you like cars. I I also am a car guy. I um, I'm a little more private about it. For me, it's sort of like the space thing with liftoff, where like I've always kind of been a space guy, and then one day I realized I could talk about it and people would listen. Um, so we're gonna do a little bit of an accidental uh neutral, not in the sense of what's going on in in cars and there's lots to talk about, but kind of why you know, in, in the analog style, why we're interested in cars, what draws us to the industry, what makes cars attractive to us. Um, you know, why, why, why do they, they get your, your motor going? I see what you did there. Nicely done. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, I think it's a bunch of different things. Um, my dad was a mechanic um, before we, before I was a thing. Um, before I even met my mom, um, he was a mechanic for a few years at Buick. Um, he's always been a car guy. Um, one of my my grandmother, his mother's favorite stories is of him rebuilding an engine in his bedroom as a teenager. And then wow. he went, he, well, and then the problem was he went to take the engine out of his bedroom and install it in the car he wanted to install it in. And suddenly he realized, well, it was wider than the door. 
uh, which caused some problems. I'm not, I don't remember off the top of my head how they resolved this. He might've gone out through the window or he might've had to disassemble it. Um, but one way or the other, uh, so I think in some ways it's inherited from dad, but uh, you know, both of my little brothers are into cars to some degree, but I, I don't know that either of them is quite as much as I am. Um, I, I just, ever since I can remember, I've been fascinated by cars. I remember being in like second grade and having a uh, Lamborghini Countach micro machine. Did you ever play with micro machines? I did. Oh, the best. Do they still even have those? I, is that still a thing? I think it, I think children can down them now. So I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. Hence the micro part of micro machines. Either way, uh, micro machines were my jam when I was in like second grade. And I remember carrying around this red Lamborghini Countach and I was obsessed with it. And I like wrote my little second grade stories about it. And it was just phenomenal. And and so ever since I can remember, I've just um, I've just been so into cars. And, and to kind of answer your question, hopefully a little more directly, why is that? Well, I think, again, it's inherited. But also, I think as an engineer, and even though the engineering I do is not even in the vicinity of cars in most measures, um, I still think that they are a phenomenal exercise in engineering in much the same way that, that space, you know, space travel is. And, and I think that cars are an example of what human beings can do when they really put their minds to something. Because if you really think about it, you know, the normal internal combustion engine that runs, you know, 99% of the cars on the road, it's a controlled explosion that happens up to 9,000 times a minute. You know, that's, that's pretty terrifying and yet pretty freaking cool all at the same time. So I think I just find them as beautiful works of art. I find them as beautiful examples of engineering, of human ingenuity. And plus, I just, I've always loved the act of driving. I loved having a go-kart when I was young. I loved driving boats, you know, so not even just cars, but I loved driving boats. My parents had a jet boat when I was in high school. I loved that. Um, and when I was able to finally drive as a legal, you know, driver by myself, it was, it was phenomenal. It, it really did change my life. Now, what's, what's your excuse? Why are you so into cars? You know, my... My dad was into cars when he was young, but uh, by the time I grew up, he really he really wasn't. He was too busy running his own business, and and of course they had us. Um, so I didn't really grow up in a in a gearhead type environment. Um, but for me, I mean, I think part of what you said echoes in that it's like the coolest thing in the world that we just drive around with like powered explosions. Like, <laughs> what in the <laughs> world were we thinking? Uh, but for me, it's really just the the idea that a car on the basic level is basically one thing, right? It's it's something with four wheels you get around in. But the way you solve that problem, the way that you get to X is nearly endless in variety and and scope, right? So you have Absolutely. Um you know, you have an El Camino and you have a brand new Mercedes Benz. And except for, you know, some details, they're kind of the same thing. And that is just um it's just really interesting to me, you know, uh that there's so much variation and, and difference from car to car and and not just like design or not just like body style or things like that, but just like in, in approach and in, in philosophy that, you know, some car manufacturers try to solve this way, others try to solve it that way, and that the people look for different things, right? So I have a very particular taste in cars and uh, you know, a lot of people look at what I like and like, you are a crazy hick. What are you doing? Like, look over <laughs> here. Um, and so, yeah, so just the way that, for me at least, like a car can be can be used to as- express your personality and something about you uh, in a way that is almost unique 
is is really pretty interesting. And and so if you go to buy a car, uh, I, I bought a new car last year. First time ever I've bought a new car for myself. And I sort of had to answer the question of like, okay, I know I, I probably need something with four doors. You know, we got a growing family. Uh, I need something safe, something reliable, something with good gas mileage. But then like Pat's, I was like, what car is me? Like that was my problem. Like what car says Steven when it pulls up in your driveway? And uh, that took a long time to answer. I'm not, what I bought doesn't quite answer it all the way, but it's, um, I don't know, that sort of like personality of it on, on from every angle is just really interesting. Yeah, and I, I thought your selection of cars was an excellent choice. Um, and, and even though I love cars, I don't actually buy them very often. You know, I, I bought um, a car that had been in my, in my family for like five or six years when I graduated um, college that I couldn't keep running because it was old at the time. It was like 10 or 15 years old at the time. And so then I bought myself my one and only new car um, about three or four months after I graduated. So yeah, I guess I only had that one car for um, a few months, which was terrible. It was a, the one that I had that, that eventually I had to sell was a, a 1991 Nissan 300ZX. Um, it was not the turbo one, but it was a five speed and it did have T-tops and I will forever regret selling that car, even though I was paying effectively a car payment um, every single month to keep it running. After that, I got a uh, 2005 Legacy GT, Subaru Legacy GT, which is basically an old man version of the uh, WRX, which I loved, um, even though it had its own set of problems. Um most specifically, it smelled like gasoline, or if Mike were here, petrol every time I drove That's it, which was fine. mildly alarming. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah, n- n- not a big deal, right? Um, and so I had that for eight years, I believe, because I sold that in, or maybe it was seven years, because I sold it in 2012 to get my current car, which um, is a BMW uh, 335, which I bought used because I am nowhere near wealthy enough to buy one of those new. Um, and I love my car, but that doesn't, it's one of those things where, like, I, I am constantly ogling other cars, even though I love mine. Um, the new Volkswagen Golf R looks really hot, even though I hate hatchbacks with all my being. looks really hot. Yes, it does. Uh, the um, new M3, of course, I'll always have a, a soft spot in my heart for that. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's so much that can be, that can, that you can say about yourself with a car. I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and it's really a very a very cool way to express yourself if, if if a bit expensive and if if we're really honest with ourselves even though they kind of are rolling weapons and if anyone is listening to this that isn't from America it probably sounds a little kooky that we are so um obsessed with cars and i think part of the thing is in america it's a geographically large country sure there are larger without question but it, we are a large country and a lot of the country is suburban and so you really need to drive to get to just about anything. Um, I can't speak for where you live in Memphis, but I'm not in Richmond proper. I'm on in, I'm in a suburb of Richmond, and there is nothing walkable from my house. I mean, I guess if you were willing to spend, you know, an hour or two, you could walk to like a Wawa gas station or something like that. But it's a it it is a ten to fifteen minute drive to just about anything under the sun, like any any chain you can imagine, even a lot of mom and pop you know, restaurants and stores that you can imagine, but it's all by car. And it's not one of those situations like Mike is lucky enough to have where public transport is a thing. We don't, I mean, we have some bus system that sort of kind of works, but we don't really have public transport here. And I'm curious to hear what Memphis has, but because there's not really near as much public transport, 
cars are kind of necessary in America, in most of America, I should say, in a way that I don't think they are in a lot of other countries. And so I think part of the American obsession with cars stems from that is because in a lot of ways, when especially when you're a teenager, you're not really free until you have a driving license or you have a dear friend that has a driving license. And it's not until that moment that you really feel like you're your own person. Uh, yeah, I mean, Memphis is similar, I think, to Richmond in that way, where we do have uh, a bus system, but it, it is not very useful uh, to anyone. Um, and is mostly geared to serve um, uh, more poor neighborhoods. And even there, they do a really bad job. Like our bus system is just, they should, they should just sink all the buses in the river. But, um, <laughs> you know, you're rattling off your list of cars. I'm not going to do that because uh, basically I've changed cars every couple of years since I was 16. Uh, part of that um, early on was the sort of, I'm in school, I bought a cheap car and then it exploded or burned down <laughs> and I need a new cheap car. Um, nice. And then as I've gotten older, you know, I've bought a couple cars on on like a whim, and then I bought um, what still is one of my favorites was a 2001 Toyota 4Runner, which I really I really love that truck. Oh, that was but nice the cars. Um, then we had our our second child, and I made the mistake of looking up the side crash test ratings. Ooh, and it nice. was like a half star or something. And I was like, well, I can't put my kids in this, and um, you know, now we allude to it. I drive a a new Toyota Corolla. Um, which is fine. Um, I really like it. It's economical. It looks good. Um, it has fancy headlights. But it's uh, you know it's a family car, which is fine. Um, one day I would uh, I would love to to buy a Wrangler. It's kind of the the unofficial deal my wife and I have. That can be my next car. But this car is brand new, so it can't be in two years. It has to be in like a decade. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you know I think that. I mean, you look at these reports of like the the most sold vehicles in America, and by far it's pickup trucks. Like in most states, oh, uh, yep. I'll find a I'll find uh, something for the show notes. Um, and I think that's a byproduct of not only the culture, like here in the South, but like if you live in Idaho, like you need a truck because you are doing Idaho things, right? <laughs> um, and if for a, I mean, there are people buy cars this way, and my car is an expression of what I value. Uh, I bought it. Uh, in no small part because I, I like the way it looks. I knew it'd be dependable. Uh, I knew that I would keep it would keep value. Uh, those things were important to me. But there are a, a huge number of people in this country who buy a vehicle because of what it can do for them. You know, my, my dad is uh, is in construction. Um, my both my parents are in construction. Actually, they both own pickup trucks because uh, you know my dad needs to like haul a washer and dryer around for somebody or fill the backup with lumber for something or fill it with sand. I mean, who knows, right? Like. Um, and so for him, his vehicle is a utility that the serves and you know it, that that fills a need in his in his day to day life and his work. Um, where I don't need that, so you know I don't drive a pickup. But uh, I think I think what you said really is really true. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's weird. I think American car culture is it is. I don't know if I should say it's unique, but it's it's different than a lot of other places. And um, I don't know. It's. It's something that it's I, I like getting excited about, and 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 it it makes me happy. Uh, to go back a step to something you were saying earlier, you said you would like a Wrangler as your next car. Is that what I heard? That's true. So my dad had a roughly 2001 Wrangler Sahara. I remember that vividly. Um, this was when the Sahara uh, package was relatively new. 
Uh, it was a five-speed. Then he got rid of that, and I want to—I believe it was immediately after that that he got a Dodge SRT4. Do you remember those? I do. Yep. So this was basically a neon, even though, if memory serves, they went above and beyond preventing the word neon from appearing anywhere on the car, in the car, near the car. Mm -hmm. I think the owner's manual did not say neon anywhere. Nothing in the car said neon, but really it was a neon. The thing of it, the thing of it though, was that it had this ridiculously large turbocharger on, on the engine. And so it was absurdly quick. It, it was stunningly quick. Um, so he had that for a while. Well, he eventually got rid of that and ended up getting, uh, just a couple of years ago now, maybe three or four years ago at most, got a uh, brand new Wrangler Rubicon um, with a six-speed, with navigation. They're, I don't know if you've seen a modern one, Stephen, but they are stunningly nice inside. I remember his 01 was a crap box. Like, it had enough to make it livable, but it was still basically just a truck. Yeah. And these new ones, man, they're, they're as a Wrangler goes, they're very cushy. And... You know, it's funny because I tend to like cars that are low, that are that are fast, that can handle well, and the Wrangler is precisely none of those things. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I freaking love his Wrangler, and I kind of want one myself <laughs> because if nothing else, going down the road with no top on and with the doors off the car, so you just look out the side of the car and you see nothing but pavement— while mildly alarming from a safety perspective, it is just the coolest feeling in the world. So I totally sympathize with your love of Wranglers. Yeah, it's uh, there's something about the adventure of it. Um, and I do like SUVs. I've driven, I've owned several. Um, I had the Forerunner. I had a, I had a Nissan Pathfinder in college. Um, owned a Honda Element for many years. I drove it, then my, then my wife drove it before we got rid of it. Um, but you know, you look at this graphic. I, I just put it in the chat room. Um, like half these states on here, the you know the F series Ford is the the leading thing, or the Chevy Silverado, and and again because so much of our country is uh, rural, and there are many people who need trucks to to do everyday life, coupled with the um, sort of the culture of the South and the, and the Midwest, uh, I would say the South. But looking at this, I'm actually surprised. North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, and Georgia, the most popular car is the Toyota Camry, <laughs> not. The opposite of a pickup truck, so it's um it's an interesting <laughs> little uh little graphic here, but um but yeah, I think all that is is why I find cars so fascinating because they are so just ingrained in uh just everyday life for so many people. Yes, there are people who you know like, like Mike who live in a big city who don't drive. Um, I got friends who live in New York City. That's true. I got friends who you know I live overseas where that's true. But but for the for most of us, a car is is one of the biggest purchases that we make, and is something that we just depend on every day. Like if my car goes away, um, even though I do work for myself, I'm in trouble, right? Like I got to go ride my bike across town to work, which would be unpleasant most days. So it's um, I think that that sort of combination of the utility, the culture around it, the fact that just everyone deals with it is just a really sort of like unique thing in in life. Yeah. Uh, so why doesn't Relay have a car show? What's up with that, boss? It's a good question. This is not, <laughs> to stop the email, this is not like the time Jason and I did a space show knowing we were doing a space show. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I do think that's that's sort of on my list of things that we could do as a network. Um, I think there's an audience for it um, if you if you do it sort of the right way. I'm not saying that Neutral was done the wrong way. I think, 
you know, I think neutral was unusual because it was the three of you doing a topic that people didn't expect. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just part of life for so many people. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure like you, you know, I read a lot of car blogs. I'm really good at like spotting cars even at night by just the headlight pattern or how wide it is. Yep. Or, um, and I think, I think Josiah, my oldest son has a little bit of that in him. He seems really interested in cars. And uh, so hopefully uh, we can do that. And, you know, and, and for me, I, I do like working on them, even though my car is brand new. My wife's minivan is not. In fact, that's sort of a point of stress for me financially. At some point, that van <laughs> is just going to fall apart. And, you know, so I can do things on it. You know, for, for a couple of years, my mom owned, um, my mom and I owned together uh, a Grand Wagoneer. And uh, I worked nice. on that for a while. We ended up flipping it and, you know, made pretty good little profit on it. But, you know, it's fun to, like, yeah, roll your shirt sleeves up and like rebuild a carburetor or uh when I tore a transmission line replacing that so it can move again. Um so, so f- that I fear is going away. Right like you open the hood of my car, even the hood of your car which is a little bit older but it's sort of the same way where like there's nothing under here that I can do myself. Right? Mm-hmm. Like my car looks like a space shuttle inside. You know, it's like everything is covered up. Um everything is is fastened away just so I have a big old warranty that tells me I can't do anything to it. And that's sort of uh, sad to me that we're losing that in our culture. And uh, it does still exist in pockets. I think you go out someplace like our guy in Idaho we keep talking about. Like, dude in Idaho knows how to replace something on his F-250. But um, overall, I think that's that's sort of a thing that is, is losing ground uh, in our country and in other countries. And, and that's sort of sad to me. Yeah, I completely agree. And to be fair... I have very little mechanical ability, despite my dad being an ex-mechanic, but I'm trying to get better about it. Uh, just a couple of months ago, he and I changed the spark plugs in my car. Um, admittedly, what I basically ended up doing was following a YouTube video and having dad looking over my shoulder the entire time saying, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. Uh, but nevertheless, I was successfully able to change the spark plugs in my car, and I was very proud of that. Um, but anyway, no, I, I I will always be obsessed with cars, I reckon. Um I'm saddened by the continual trend to get away from the uh, traditional clutch transmission. Um, every car I've ever driven has had three pedals, and I know that that time is running out, yeah. and that makes me very sad. I've never, I've never owned a manual. Oh, Stephen, you're missing out. I know. It's okay. I, 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 I considered it this time around, even though that drastically limited my options. Um, but for me, it just wasn't really a thing I could do because we do change out cars pretty often in our house. And I didn't think I was going to talk my wife into driving a manual as she just didn't seem very interested in it. So, um, so for me, it was it sort of went, <laughs> that got taken off the table this time, but, um, but you're right. That's sort of the same vein of like, unless you have a 1983 F 250, you can't work on it. So it's, it's all kind of the same thing that cars are becoming more auto magical, Right, mm-hmm. like like my car has a, a CVT in it where it's an automatic transmission, but you don't feel the shift points. Now you can like oh, put it so in manual weird. or drive it with the paddles, but it's not it's not even like a, a normal automatic transmission anymore. It's sort of more uh, futuristic than than that. So all that stuff is kind of getting smoothed over. It's all this being smoothed over. Right, it's like computers. Um, mm-hmm. If uh, this Apple II GS that sits on the bookshelf next to me, if I owned that computer when it was new. <laughs> I would know how to take it open, add cards to it. Um, it was expandable in ways that my MacBook Pro is not. And those old computers required a level of knowledge about certain things that current computers don't. And and car, you know, owning a car, driving a car, 
working on a car is is it's the same trend, just sort of in a different field. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. However, I will say that in my personal estimation, one of the last cars to ditch the uh, the the traditional standard trans- transmission will probably be the Wrangler. So there's hope for the both of us yet. Yeah, I think we'll that's uh, absolutely right. All right, let's do a, qu- a few quick relay your feels. I have um, what appears to be a bunch of them in here, but I think they'll all be pretty quick. So let's start with um, some relay your feels that came in as we were recording. So this is also kind of real time follow up. Um, the Twitter user Mark Alex McLenna um, had written in Casey, uh, what is your McDonald's breakfast of choice, bacon or sausage egg McMuffin? If I'm feeling bad, I will get a McRiddle. Cheers. Um, it's actually none of the above. I am an egg white delight kind of guy because it's marginally more um, healthy, which is to say it's less unhealthy, I guess is a better way to phrase it. Um, Although I will say that the bacon, egg and cheese McGriddle, I only have them like once a year because I feel like a beached whale after I consume one. But, oh, my God, they're so good. Um, And the other thing I will say is it is not easy to feel very good about yourself when you're asking for an egg white delight. That is not a particularly manly thing to ask for. Like, it's not like asking for, I'll take a McGriddle. Can I have an egg white delight, please? It's just not, not really the same thing. But, uh, are you a fan of the McDonald's breakfast? Is that something that ever happens for your family? Uh, no, usually not. Um, (laughs) I do, I do like the McGriddle because I like maple syrup and sausage together. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not not something that we normally. I definitely don't eat out breakfast much at all, honestly. Uh, fair enough. That's okay. All right. So uh, moving on from W Sig on Twitter, uh, what's something that you used to be afraid of that you're that you're not now as an adult, or what about perhaps vice versa? Um, I will start off again because I will forget if I don't tell you right now that <laughs> I used to be deathly afraid of roller coasters. Um, I, when I was like four years old, I begged my parents to let me go on a log flume and they said, okay, I think it was more my dad than my mom said, okay. And the story I'm told, I don't remember this, but the story I'm told is this was a log flume that actually had more than one drop in it. And after the first drop, I looked back at my mom or my dad or whomever and said, I'd like to get off now. And they said, well, you're just going to have to kind of hold on because there's no way to stop it. And so from the time I was four until I was 25-ish, I refused to go on anything that... Is it negative G, Stephen, when you're going down and it feels like your stomach is in your throat? That's, you know? that's positive. Negative is at the top where you feel weightless. Okay, well, whatever it is when you're going downhill, be it positive or negative, when you're going downhill really fast and your stomach's all in your throat, um, that feeling I hated. And when I met Erin, you know, she was always really into roller coasters and she... Um, had always kind of wanted to go to theme parks with me. And I was like, well, you know, I can, but I, I just, I can't go on roller coasters. They freak me out too much. And that was fine. And she was very good about that. But then it came to be that I told her, you know what? If it ends up that we get married, I've always thought about honeymooning at Disney World. And just then everything changed. And she said, that's fine. I've never been to Disney World. I'd love to go to Disney World, but I'm not going to Disney World with my new husband and not going on roller coasters. So we've got to fix this. And so what we ended up doing, there's two theme parks very close to Richmond. One is King's Dominion. One is uh, Busch Gardens. And we um, ended up going to both and doing the, the sort of rides that use a linear induction motor. So they like launch you mm-hmm. rather than needing the down, the, the, 
the the trip downhill to build up your momentum. And that's how I started. And I eventually worked my way up into now I can do almost any roller coaster, but it took me almost a decade to get to that point. Not you know, once I started riding them again, not to mention the 20 years when I refused. Now, what about you? Is there anything that you are not afraid of now or perhaps are afraid of now that you that you were or were not as a kid? Uh, still afraid of roller coasters. So there's there's that you're missing out, but I do not blame you and I will never give you crap for it. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. Nothing like it's a boring answer. Nothing really comes to mind. That's like been really drastic. Um, I think maybe flying like getting an airplane doesn't bother me. And I think it when I started flying when I was younger, it did. But that was really never a um, never a super like big fear, you know. I just like was not looking, kind of dreading it when I had to do it the first couple of times. But but now I'm I'm fine with it. So, uh, TM twenty three has a great question in the chat room. Uh, would you ride the vomit comet? Uh, yeah. So the the vomit comet is <laughs> the nickname of a a flight that NASA and others take. It basically you are in the back of a jet that's covered in foam and uh, they do big arcs. So like you were saying on the roller coaster, you go down and then they go up and they don't stall, but as they go up, you experience brief bursts of microgravity. So you can, you can you've all seen the videos. Maybe we can find something uh, on YouTube uh, where you are sort of flying around the inside of a plane. Um, I would, uh, I would definitely do it. Uh, just to experience the sort of microgravity sensation, I I do think that I would probably be ill. <laughs> but um, oh, me too. But uh, so yeah, so there's a video I'm gonna put in the show notes. Uh, you can see how that works. In in principle, it sounds like it would be a tremendous amount of fun. But as someone who still is not great with that sort of zero or, or negative positive, whatever it is, that kind of gravity, uh, I guess zero gravity in this case. I don't know if I would do well with it. I would probably be a victim of the vomit comet, but it does sound super yeah, fun. Yeah, you don't name something like that casually. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good times. I don't know. We'll see. All right, next one. Um, I'll start with you, Stephen. This is from Ultra Nerd on Twitter. Do you have a favorite inspiring photograph, um, some, land, uh, some landscape, Hubble telescope perhaps, or one that you've taken? Stephen? Uh, I've got a couple. I've got one of the... Uh, the first time that the Challenger shuttle, uh, which exploded in 1986, um, its first launch. And I, I like that photo, not only because I'm a space nerd, but because it sort of signifies, to me at least, like uh, like the power of like mankind, but also just the <laughs> the utter helplessness that, that happens when, when a tragedy strikes. Um, and I like that contrast that I feel uh, when I, when I look at that photo, um, so like that. And then I have a photo as well that I've shared on my site before, but it's one of my, my oldest son. Um, he's in a plaid shirt and he's on a playground and it's just a very sort of like every parent has taken this photo of their kid, right? Like when Declan gets a little bit older, he's on the neighborhood playground. You will take this photo of Declan. Like it's just a picture (laughs) parents take. Um, but I like the way it's shot. I like the he's looking right at me. He's smiling, and and I like that in that photo. Um, he ha- doesn't have a care in the world, and he just looks like a normal kid, and uh, having a good time playing around with his friends. And for me, that image uh, is really powerful because of those things. And uh, it's old now. I think he's like three or four in the photo. He's getting ready to be seven. But um, I like uh, I like that image as well. 
Yeah, so my answer will surprise uh, precisely no one. Um, it's the picture that I took of Aaron and Declan um, about an hour after he was born. And the short, short version of the story is, um, you know, we had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. We finally got pregnant. And then um, when he was born, he um, had some troubles breathing. And so they they took him away. Uh, I mean, he was in the same room, but they took him over to like the, the area where they can work on him. They had some NICU nurses come in. And, you know, they had, they had to stick a tube down his throat to get some fluid out of his lungs. And it was all very terrifying. You know, we had been parents for all of, you know, five minutes by most measures. And next thing you know, we're like worried about what, what's going on with our son. Well, eventually they gave um, Declan back to Aaron to, to do some skin to skin time uh, on, on her. And I was lucky enough to grab a picture of her and, and, she, and he's on her on her chest. And it's it's a little bit hard to see. But if you look closely, you can see. Um, this this tear running down this one tear running down her eye or, or running down her cheek i should say and um i i suspect this will always be either my favorite or one of my favorite pictures ever because it was kind of that culmination of all these things that we had worked for for so long uh particularly Erin, not just in terms of the labor itself but all the all the things that she went through to finally get to get our son in in front of us which was really phenomenal um so we'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you haven't seen it and then finally, um, and this is expressly for you, Stephen, because I, I don't really have a lot of input on this. Um, this is from Simon underscore W on Twitter. Do you have any plans to increase the number of non-U.S. hosts and or listeners with Relay? Uh, yeah, and I, I, replied to si- I replied to Simon already, but I will, um, I will say that we are always looking to increase our diversity on Relay, both um, obviously in listenership, uh, but from the host perspective as well. You know, we only have a couple hosts who live overseas. Um, and uh, which in and of itself is sort of a terrible term. I know it's American centric. I'm sorry. Um, who who live <laughs> uh, in all sorts of countries, and we would like to do more of that. And uh, not only is that good for business, but it's good for all of us on Relay and people who listen to Relay to get uh, opinions and insight from people who live uh, different places. I learned so much from Mike. I learned so much from Federico. Well, connected because their life experience is so different than mine, and. So often on podcasts, you only hear American voices uh, and people with stories that are similar to mine. And, you know, it's very different with the way Federico grew up. And the way Federico grew up and his culture informs the way he thinks about technology. And his writing and our show is better for it. And so absolutely, um, we want to do better at that. We want to do more. And uh, I think we will. Uh, I think we'll be able to meet those goals over time. Yep, and uh, I think you guys should be celebrated for the dramatic increase in diversity since the uh, the network was founded. Um, I think we've done a lot. Or I shouldn't say we. See, and this is what I was talking to Mike about. I, I feel like this is kind of my baby, even though, strictly speaking, I've had nothing to do with it. Um, but anyways, I feel like you slash we um, have done a great job of of really diversifying in terms of gender, in terms of topics, Um and I think that there's certainly a long, long, long way to go. It's not that, that you guys are done, but I, I think the, the efforts that you've made should absolutely be celebrated, and and I know that there will be more of that coming. Yeah, we, we've worked really hard uh, on that, and uh, there's a lot more to do. And so uh, if you're frustrated with us on that, please forgive us. It is something that Mike and I and everyone thinks a lot about. And when we start uh, new projects or we're looking at ways to expand, that is always something we talk about of um, how are we more inclusive? How are we more uh, more fair? How are we uh, more open to different uh, different voices? Everyone has something to say. And being able to showcase a bunch of different voices makes uh, everyone's experience better. So it's great. Yep. 
I agree. Stephen Hackett, thank you so much for uh, for coming and filling in for Mike. Um, you know, there there's a very short list of people that I think can really carry that torch, and and you are at, right at the top of that list, which is why you're here right now. So thank you so much for uh, for pinch hitting for him. Uh, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, on Relay on Connected and Liftoff. You can find my writing at five twelve pixels dot net, and I'm on Twitter at ismh. And I will go ahead and uh, throw out that this is uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and you've been uh, donating your 512 Pixel sponsorship to St. Jude. Um, and if the listeners of this show would love would like to donate to a children's hospital that really goes above and beyond in order to fight childhood cancer and just generally do right by sick children, um, please go ahead and go to 512 Pixels and uh, click the banner at the top of that page. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. And uh, go ahead and donate to St. Jude. I have done so. Uh, I know that, that Stephen has done so. Mike has done so. We Many of the hosts of Relay have done so. But um, listeners, if you would like to do so, um, that would be really phenomenal. And although this was a, a letter that we got to the ATP account, um, and, and it was an anonymous letter, but suffice to say, I, I know it was legit, um, somebody who worked at St. Jude wrote in to say, you know, these these personal donations, you may think that just a few bucks doesn't really matter, but in aggregate, it actually makes a tremendous, tremendous difference, and it really does help. So don't think that, you know, five bucks is too little. Don't think that 10 bucks is too little. Don't think that $1 is too little. Um, please, please, please uh, consider donating. Anyway, um, you can find my stuff at Casey Liss on Twitter, at CaseyLiss.com on the web, and uh, obviously on this very program on Relay FM and occasionally on the Accidental Tech Podcast if you so choose. Stephen, thank you so much for, uh, for joining, my, joining me on this, uh, this episode of Analog, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.